Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real life behind the scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. We are into our latest series on detangling identity, and I'm thrilled that you're here with me. Last week, we talked about the risks of having our identities tied too closely to the work that we do. We talked about how and why this comes about, generally as a result of our culture, as well as specifically within first response and frontline professions. And I told you we would spend the rest of this series talking about really practical ways to work at detangling our identities from being so exclusively defined by our professions. So that's where we're headed today. And for the next few weeks, we're gonna talk today about building balance Then next week, we'll tackle crafting control, and the week following, we will dig into cultivating connection. These three pieces, balance, control, and connection, are the essential strategies for supporting an identity that allows us to ride the highs and lows of life. Now, let me give a little bit of a preface to this idea of balance. I actually remember a number of years ago being invited to present to a group of therapists about what it's like to be a private practice owner. There was a panel of us and the crowd were welcome to ask questions for the panel to answer. All of the panelists were therapists in private practice, but I at the time was the only one who had a group practice. So like a clinic with a team of many clinicians. And there was a lot of curiosity from the crowd about how I built and ran our clinic, given my relatively young age at the time. I remember a question coming up about how I managed so many things, being a clinician myself with a full caseload of clients, as well as running and growing a business that supported several other counselors. I said something about how it was really about finding the right balance, time with clients, time for the clinic, time for business, time for self-care, time for the people I care about, and so on. Someone else on the panel spoke up and said, I think balance is a fallacy. It doesn't exist, and trying to find it is a waste of energy. You just do what you can. I was dumbfounded. There isn't such a thing as balance? What? You just do what you can? What does that even mean? Like, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other until what? You can't anymore? All I could think was that this position sounded like an absolute setup for burnout. Just hustle. 
just hustle and keep hustling until some magic day, it's all okay. Of course there's such a thing as balance, and of course we need to work to find it. And while yes, we can do the best we can, doing our best and being our best involves some amount of self-reflection, introspection, and the ability to be intentional at strategically implementing what we've learned about ourselves in an effort to find our sweet spot. Now, here's the thing about balance and maybe why this panelist believes it doesn't exist. Life balance is not a fixed point. Here's what I mean by that. Go back for a moment to your grade three or grade four science class when you got an actual scale and some weights and you learned about finding a balance point where the weight was equal on both sides. It's a fixed mathematical point. It won't change. Balance will always happen when there is an equal amount of weight on each side. That's how it works. But life and people within life are never fixed points. We're always changing and adapting. Life is always moving and flexing, ebbing and flowing. Think of it a bit more like balancing on a stand-up paddleboard on ocean waves. You might find a balance at one moment when the waves are calmer and the water is more still, but then the wind picks up, the waves hit a bit harder, and each moment is effort to find and refine balance under the fluctuating conditions. The tricky thing about building balance in our lives is we won't ever be done with it. It isn't a one and done. We won't find this wonderful balance point and be able to just ride that out indefinitely. Life will come along and give us some waves and we will need to readjust and rediscover balance all over again. I know that likely sounds a bit daunting and I'm not gonna lie, it can be. But here's the good news. Once you build balance that feels good to you, most of the adjustments will be tweaking. Kind of like the stand-up paddleboard. It's starting that's the hard part. It's learning to find your center and strengthening your body to remain centered in moving conditions that's difficult. Once you get used to it, get good at it, the adjustments are pretty small tweaks moment to moment to respond to fluctuations in the water conditions. As we look at detangling our identities from our profession, we need to focus on building balance so our identities are an amalgamation of who I see myself to be in various diverse parts of my life. Last week, I suggested thinking about this like investment banking. When we build our identities in exclusive ways, like into our profession, or another common one is into our role as parents, and tie them to things that invariably come to an end or can be pulled out from under us, we put all of our eggs into one very janky basket. So then if I'm off work or I retire or my kids leave home, my sense of self feels jeopardized because that basket just got yanked and my whole self is tanked without it. In investing, they talk about diversifying your portfolio. 
Financially, it isn't wise to take your hard-earned cash and put it all into one company's stocks. Because if that company takes a hit, you're going along for that ride in a very deep way. The recommendation is to spread what you want to invest into a few areas so that if one takes a bit of a hit, it's likely counterbalanced by something else that's doing well. And over time, you can better ride the ebbs and flows that are a natural part of the market, coming out ahead overall. The same theory is true for us as people. We need to conscientiously and intentionally diversify our personal portfolios. We need to invest our sense of self into differing areas so that if I'm off work for a stretch of time, the part of me that feels tied to that is supported by other things that also and equally meaningfully define me. Okay, so where do we invest ourselves to be able to achieve a greater return on our investment? How do we do this whole diversified portfolio thing for our own personal balancing act. It starts by cultivating interests and prioritizing time to be versions of ourselves that feel good, affirming, meaningful, and so on. Dr. Kevin Gilmartin, who literally wrote the book on emotional survival for law enforcement and whose work extends into most first response and frontline work experiences, talks about Iusta syndrome. I'll link to his book in the show notes. He talks about before the job, officers tend to have a lot of friends, hobbies, interests, activities, and so on. But then as they pour into the job and start spending more time with workmates doing work-related things, they invest more and more into their work lives and less and less into their personal life roles outside of the work. So it becomes I used to fish, I used to go out with friends, I used to go camping, and so on. I'm curious, what did you used to do? What used to mean something to you? What used to feel fulfilling or interesting or challenging to you? What have you always been curious about trying but never done? What was your favorite thing to do as a kid? What do your friends like to do that you could get into with them? What does your partner or your kids like to do that you would be up for participating in? I know that as soon as you start envisioning these possibilities, your brain is likely to immediately impose reasons for why you can't. I can't commit to volunteering or doing the Learn to Curl program because shift rotations never give me consistent days off. I can't go camping because my kids are too young to sleep in a tent all night. I can't hike anymore because of my knee. I can't outfit myself to start fishing again because it costs too much. There are lots of excuses and real reasons for why things may not come together. But for now, let yourself just connect to what you would enjoy or find yourself differently challenged by without any judgment or constraints from the practical side of things. The bigger you let this list become, the more likely you'll stumble upon some things that, through varying amounts of creativity, you can find ways to actually make happen. I was reading an article written by psychologist Dr. Rochelle Zemlock, 
You'll find a link to it in the show notes. And in it, she shares this story. Quote, Joel Fay, retired police officer, founding member of First Responder Support Network, and lead clinician at West Coast Post-Trauma Retreat, was quoted as stating, quote, As I stood there, an image came to mind, that of a roof being supported by a single pillar. If that one pillar were removed, the entire roof would collapse but I had a lot of pillars in my life besides work. I had friends, family, volunteer work, sports, and many other interests. I could afford to lose this one pillar. At that moment, I knew I was going to be okay." End quote. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be intentional about building up other pillars to support the weight of life. Work is a pillar. It's an awesome pillar. We can get a lot out of our work and it does get to be a facet of our identities. But that's where we need to be conscientious. Am I allowing it to be a facet or have I defaulted into making it the whole shebang? If we're identifying that we need some additional pillars and that we need to work at building in some more balance, there is going to be a temptation, and it's the tendency to go to extremes. As we recognize the risk we're at by making work the fullness of who we are, we are likely to try to swing to the other extreme and try to build like five new pillars at the same time. It won't work, and here's why. People suck at sustaining extremes. So yes, you'll join a gym and you'll book a camping trip and you'll buy some fishing gear and you'll pick up knitting and, 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 and then you'll likely fall off of doing all of it because it's just too much too fast. Start small. Make it incremental and recognize that building things, anything, doesn't happen overnight. Like we said at the start, balance is not a one and done fixed and move on kind of issue. If we pile on too much too quickly, it will feel like that huge wave that came out of nowhere and rocks us off balance and tosses us into the ocean. If we can do it a little at a time, it's like the smaller waves that our body can have a chance to be responsive to adapting to a little bit and a little bit. If you want to start working out more, don't sign up for a marathon. Start by going for a walk on your lunch break a couple of times a week. If you want to volunteer, don't sign up to some kind of weekly commitment, but maybe agree to help out occasionally here and there. And don't commit to things in diverse areas all at the same time. Space it out. See how it feels to add in a thing, then another thing, and let yourself notice the balance before adding anything more. When you're considering what pieces to add in, focus on your values. Many of us commit to the work because we value helping and caring for people and making the world a better place. That's a cool value, but one that can also get draining if we're not careful. Get curious and creative about ways to lean into this value without depleting yourself. For example, one of my favorite examples is that my grandma knits mittens, toques, and scarves 
for homeless people. She does it at her own pace while she watches the news and sips her coffee. It's a hobby she really enjoys and that she's able to turn into something that contributes toward a value that she feels passionate about. If we value time with our families and friends, consider ways to structure activities that reflect this. Maybe it's a family bike ride or a regular family activity or game day where each family member gets to rotate choosing the activity we do or the board game we play. Another way of thinking about this is to consider what you hope people say about you at your funeral. Do you really care if people say, he was a great firefighter, or she was an amazing social worker, or he was a solid nurse, or she was a phenomenal police officer? While it would be nice for our professional contributions to be noticed, it likely isn't the stuff we would really care to hear the most. We're more likely interested in things like, they were a great friend, really there whenever you needed them. Or they really cared about people. You could tell that they were really genuine. Or they were real. You felt like you could be yourself with them because you knew you could be real with them. These are the pieces that will help you know what you really value. And I would encourage you to lean into activities that then give space to highlight these aspects of who you are. If you wanna be remembered as a good friend, what kinds of activities and ways of engaging would reflect this? How can you invest now and on an ongoing into having that be what people remember about you down the road? How do we contribute to shaping today what we hope our legacy will be in the future? Now, as I said at the outset, balance isn't fixed. It won't be static. It's an always shifting thing that we need to stay continuously engaged with or it will tend to get away from us. That means we also need to be checking in on our balance on a regular basis. We need to be self-aware and we have to carve out time to intentionally pause, reflect, and adjust. For example, I may have found a pretty solid balance of things that help me feel pretty good, but then I get injured and I'm off work for a bit. Not only that, my injuries also mean I can't do my workouts, which were another part of my balance strategy. Suddenly, I'm having to rebalance and potentially interject new pillars to support the weight left from those that have at least temporarily collapsed. I may have to turn to other pieces that were more background kinds of strategies and make them front and center to get through this time. Or I may need to cultivate some new strategies to offset the weight. What I can't rely on is for life to magically rebalance it for me. It won't. If I don't spend the time and energy to be engaged in the process and work to make it balance, it will not just magically happen. I can remember a long time ago, I was fresh out of my master's degree and working my first full-time job as a counselor at a nonprofit trauma center. I was doing okay as long as I could work out regularly. It was kind of how I managed what would happen in my day. Then I injured my back pretty badly. I found out later that I had degenerative disc disease as a result of my injuries and would randomly experience paralysis due to a bone spur that would catch on a cranial nerve. 
I was told I had to stop running or doing any high impact activities. And in addition to that, we learned that a lot of low impact activities also aggravated my symptoms. At that time in my life, that was all I did. It was all I had. In an instant, I lost my only coping. And I lost my only coping during a time where I was adapting to doing a really hard job, exposed to really hard stories, and where I really needed to cope to feel like the world wasn't always and only a terrible place. I sank for a bit until I came across a book, Trauma Stewardship by Laura Vandernoot Lipsky. And yes, I'll post a link in the show notes. In the book, she identifies this exact risk. It was like she was speaking my life. Eggs in only one or two baskets puts us at risk for having the rug pulled out from under us when life turns upside down in the way life so often does. Ever since then, I've been on a continuous journey to balance and rebalance and rebalance again to meet the ever-changing conditions of my life. Pregnancies, maternity leaves, returning to work while caring for infants, opening a clinic, taking on extra projects, dealing with family crises, showing up into a pandemic, and the many small, not-so-newsworthy events that make up our daily lives. The balancing act is never perfect, but I'm committed to being intentional in it, reflective of it, and actively engaged in continuously creating and recreating it. My invitation is to likewise be committed to being intentional, reflective, and actively engaged. Balance exists, but not haphazardly. It's work, it's effort, but I also swear that it's worth it. And when we invest in this on an ongoing, we are investing in ourselves. It means that part of our identity is being someone who gives a shit about ourselves, allowing us to do a better job being present for those we care about. We invest in being a whole person who is a whole person, not just a professional hat. And when life comes along and we're off work for a stretch or maybe can't return to the job or we retire, we will reap the reward of having invested in a diversified portfolio. We will have a life we have built that we get to continue in. The loss of work will feel like a loss, but it won't feel like I'm lost. As we wrap up today, I want to remind you to please reach out and connect. If you have any questions or feedback, you know, I love hearing from you and shaping this podcast to echo your needs and interests. I love hearing about what you're working on and how you're using what we talk about on this show. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, where you can follow me or tag me, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. I am continuously grateful that many of you are so keen to share about Behind the Line and spread the word to others on the front lines. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. Click subscribe to get alerts about our latest episodes or subscribe to our email list to hear from me about all the exciting things we have going on and coming up. We've got some fun things coming in the next few weeks. You'll find all of the details you need in the show notes. 
along with links to our Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide, which can help you facilitate self-assessing burnout and related concerns. We make all of this available to you because the work you do matters. But more than that, you matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your real life outside of work. So use it and share it. And until next time, stay safe.